Hello and welcome back to the Masonic Roundtable, a weekly program where Masons from around the world get together to talk about Masonic news and opinions in a friendly and social manner. The following disclaimer applies for tonight's broadcast. The thoughts and opinions here are solely those of the participants and do not reflect any Grand Lodge statements or positions. Please keep your comments open to the public and on the level. You all know me. My name is Jason Richards, past master of Acacia Lodge number 16 in Clifton, Virginia, and member of the Colonial Lodge number 1821 in Washington, D.C., as well as Lafayette Lodge number 79 in Zanesville, Ohio. And next up, we have Brother Joe Martinez. Hello. Hello and good evening. Uh, Joe Martinez. Not a past master, and we're going to talk about that tonight, yet. Uh, currently worshipful master of Manassas Lodge, number 182, in Manassas, Virginia. I'm also a member of Benjamin B. French Lodge, number 15, in the District of Columbia. And let's see what else. A member of Harmon Lodge, number 420, in the Grand Lodge of North Carolina. Woo! And uh, Ezekiel Bates Lodge in Attleboro, Massachusetts. Um, I think that's enough for today. Good to see you. Good to see you, too. Hello. And that's all we've got tonight. The end. Hello. <laughs> the end. Oh, my goodness. So we have finally gotten to the point in TMR where we're breaking the rule of three and we're going down to uh, to two. Uh, John is uh, doing a little bit of travel for work and then uh, RJ might be on in a little bit. We'll see. But tonight, before we get into our topic, which is the past master, um, I want to give a shout out to all of our friends and patrons over at Patreon. Thank you all Patreon. so much for Patreon. Thank you all so much for what you do to support the show. It's awesome. Uh, it keeps the lights on, and uh, we get to do some really cool things with y'all, like special, you know, holiday gift exchanges. And there's yes. a, uh, a TMR uh, Patreon Facebook group where we all hang out and, and have some great conversations. So yep, go to patreon.com slash the Masonic Roundtable and take a look because we'd love to see you there. We don't have now. any of the jazzy uh, blue bars that go by tonight. Sorry. So I'm, I'll just do this this evening. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, you should. John has a Patreon.com uh, slash the Masonic Roundtable. Yeah, yeah. So I'm running the tech tonight. John usually runs it for TMR. Uh, but, uh, you know, you, you just got to adapt and overcome adapt, adapt and, overcome. and overcome absolutely yeah you know i was thinking about it once we realized that it was just gonna be you and i how much are you and i going to talk over each other this episode because i'm feeling like a lot probably yeah there's yeah, so. there's never so slight delay between like when we think someone has stopped talking and when we, when we start and <laughs> You know, it's, it's a thing. It is a thing. And as you've come to learn, I never stop talking ever, 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 ever. No. But I will stop talking tonight because exactly. And I love you too, but that's what we're going to talk about tonight because, uh, I won't be doing much talking because I am not and have no experience being a past master, but my illustrious colleague to my left, he does. So we're going to, Sit down with Jason, and he's going to tell us about all the fun experiences that he has had as a past master. And now I hope that, to get there the, one. The funny thing about that is my my past 
Master Journey was nothing if not a bit unconventional. Ooh. And uh, we will <laughs> we'll see. Not not as unconventional as uh, going around for a victory lap like uh, Brother Martinez here. But this is not. We're not calling that a victory lap. So I don't know where that came from. But we need to strike that crap from the record right now. So <laughs> it's consolation lap. I don't know. <laughs> that is not going on the bingo card. Victory lap. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. So. We have talked through a bunch of officers in the lodge going from the junior steward all the way up to the master or the worshipful master, which is the honorific um, master is the title. But what is this thing called past master? Is it is it a title? Is it an officer position? Like why, what is it and, and why do we have them, Joe? It's all the things. So I uh, I went into the archives and I found probably every single host's favorite place to find things, the short talk bulletins. <laughs> the short talk bulletins. I was like, ooh, that'll be I thought you were gonna fun. say Phoenix Basinry. Now that's uh that's actually got a good bit of actual research in it and fun stuff. Um we're gonna go to the short talk bulletins instead. So for those who don't know It could be worse, it could be Claudie. It could, uh, uh, hey, I like Claudie. I love Carl Claudie. I have his, uh, I have his books. In fact, they print new ones, uh, in the great, if you're a member of the Grand Lodge of Massachusetts or you shop at their store, they print new hardbound copies. And I actually hand out Claudies to, um, new dudes. There's some good nuggets in there. Don't poo poo on it hard. I just, the okay. old Tyler talks book. Like each page full of cringe. No, gotcha. Okay, I, I will give you that. So the you know the free mate the three degree books uh, from Claudie mm -hmm. was a past master, um, and that's when people start to get really pontificating and really verbose uh, is when they become a past master. So and Jason's going to tell us about that. But uh, all kidding aside, um, we went to the short talk bulletin. So for those who don't know, the short talk bulletins have been published for what almost a hundred years now. Is it over? Are I they think. at a hundred years? Over 100 years, yeah. So every month, they would have a little bulletin, which was, uh, I guess, a tiny little piece of education. And some of the stuff in there was actually really decent. Um, some of the stuff is really eye-roll worthy and, and bad, um, but they, they had some good stuff. So I went digging in the archives, and we found a good definition for a past master. So I'm going to read it. So this was written by Unknown. Um, usually the better ones were written by unknown, but this is out of volume nine in January, 1931 of the short talk built and past masters. You know, you know where we're at. So it says, Joe, the by the way, yeah, the short talk bulletin here. is officially 100 years old. Happy birthday. 1923 Happy birthday. was volume one. 1923 right on. Um, so a hundred years of, of just, Good stuff and eye rolling, everything in between. Just, just, just how we wanted in our masonry. A little bit of everything, right? That's right. Yeah. So, oh, as without further ado, as I was, um, says the honorable station of past master is usually honored by the brethren. Generally, it, it is considered as second in importance only to that of the presiding master, as he is a wise and good master who sees to it that the brethren of his lodge understand that past master is no empty title but carries with it certain rights and privileges, certain duties and responsibilities, all set forth in the general body of Masonic law, 
although differing in some respects in different jurisdictions. Certain unwritten attributes which become more or less important according to the character and abilities of the individual past master. So this goes on to say also, um, it comes from an English perspective. And uh, the past master actually does have a role to play in the lodge in, in places like the United Grand Lodge of England and, and jurisdictions that use that type of, of lodge structure. Um, and we'll get into some of those differences. But in American jurisdictions, for example, um, a past master does not serve an officer role in a lodge. Um, he is a, someone who has sat in the chair of worshipful master or in the oriental chair, has successfully completed some term of office. Uh, here in Virginia, it is a full year. So to be a past master, you have to complete a full year as a worshipful master. And this is the part I messed up on. Your replacement needs to be elected and installed, and then you become a past master. Um, so that's what I, I goofed up on. Oopsie daisy. Um, here I am. But uh, <laughs> and in most jurisdictions, um, and I think in Virginia, it's the same thing. Past masters are members of the Grand Lodge. Um, some places they are not and some places they are. But you hold membership in the Grand Lodge uh, of that jurisdiction. Um, so I guess we'll start there with American jurisdictions. We have a very fine American jurisdiction past master in the person of Jason Richards. Yeah, and so, yeah, especially in, in Virginia, you know, you become a past master once you have held the position of master of the lodge and your successor has been both elected and installed. And so you are technically master of your lodge, as good brother Martinez has uh, has found out this year until such a time as um, your your replacement has been installed has gone through the installation process and you know has the hat um, the hat's very important especially in Virginia very very important yeah so yeah. Uh, and I love that I love that people are chiming in on YouTube so uh, brother Gary Neal who, who I, uh, he's in Maryland you're a past master when you finish one year even if you continue in office. And I believe in D.C., um, it's either similar or you're you're considered past master as soon as you're, you know, elected and installed. Installed. Yeah. 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 Because in D.C., they they do some things, some little things before the installation, just for the the past masters, which is really cool. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So, uh, but yeah, absolutely. Chime in. I see, I see brothers and friends from all over the country chime in with what your jurisdiction does so we can bring it up and talk about it. But, um, you know, when I read the short talk bulletin, it did pique my curiosity into, and I think you've seen this Jason, uh, more than once. <clears throat> I know I have. So lodges, um, in the old countries in England, you know, uh, UGLE lodges, things like that, that follow those constitutions, the immediate past master, the person who just got kicked out of office is actually an officer position in the lodge. Um, so they hold office and your, your junior pastor, um, holds an office in the lodge the year he is, he is quote unquote out as worshipful master. So it's a little bit different than what we have here. And so oh. your your lodge used to do that as well. In in the sense that your immediate past master became the Tyler, right? So for a long time, yes, we did have um 
and I actually actually didn't mind it. Uh, you know, I go back and forth on this. So the tradition at, at Manassa Lodge was once you came out of the chair and were um, and your successor was installed and you became a past master, you sat a year outside as the tiler of the lodge um, for a couple of reasons. One of the big reasons was it's time for you to take off your your hat of authority and to um, become a humbled individual once again. And there's no other place to be humbled than outside the door. Um, so, <laughs> so you got to give your successor time to learn how to be master and learn how to rule and govern his lodge and learn how to interact with his brothers in that, in that position of service that he has for that year. Um, and, um, you know, we, we'll, we'll talk about the grumpy past. Go ahead. I was going to say, I think there's something to be said about a cooling off period too. Um, for Very those so. who haven't, sat in the chair of master it's a difficult job and it is stressful and it is emotional um and i have i have found i had a full I head have, of hair in december of 2021 it's gone i don't i don't believe you um <laughs> <laughs> but you know there are i have known plenty of masters who just really stepped back you know after after that year just because those 12 months had just taken so much out of them because it's i mean it is literally a second almost full-time vocation being master of a lodge there is so much to do so much to oversee so much to plan if you so do it right just... if you do it right if you do it right i mean that's i mean let's 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 call a spade a spade here and and let's be yeah. honest with each other um we have been to many lodges where exactly to your point, it really is a full-time job or a second job uh, that you do after work um, and you miss out on a lot of things and you miss out on family time. Um, but hopefully you're like many of us and our, our families are super supportive and they, and they help us grow as a, as a person and as a master, right? Cause they support us. But there are some masters that you're, you still wonder after a year how they got elected. <laughs> how are they presiding in that chair? Um, you know, and it, it varies from person to person and jurisdiction to jurisdiction. Some jurisdictions have different requirements to be master. We know, you know, we all know how Virginia's is. We know how some of the other jurisdictions that we're a member of are. Some are really loosey-goosey with who they elect as master and, and what their duties are. Um, but some people like it's Jason, the almighty. Know, it's the almighty progressive line, right? <sighs> I wish we had, we need a soundboard to just, so things just, shoot out when we say the words that I don't want to hear. Um, well, yeah, and so, so, you know, I get, you know, I, I get the allure of a progressive line where you start all the way at the bottom and each year you just work your way up. It provides a, you know, backlog of stability, you know, it provides stability for the lodge, for the officers. You're not you're not getting to November and the outgoing master is like, oh, my goodness, where like who's who's going to take over for me? Um, the problem is you've got that stability and those assumptions that that next person in line is going to be master. And at least from what I've seen in the U.S. where we have progressive lines, we do not do a good job as masons of one developing our future leaders but then recognizing those members who just 
shouldn't be in that position. Not everybody should be master of the lodge. No, you're you're spot on. And I think, you know, and, and you know my opinion on, on progressive lines, but for those who don't, I'm generally not in favor of them, with exception. I am in favor of them when you have places, either it's a lodge or a jurisdiction or a rule in that in that place, that there need to be certain qualifications as you move up those progressive chairs, right? Like you have duties and you have responsibilities and you need to actually do them as opposed to just being a placeholder. I think I think what, what you were talking about, and correct me if I'm wrong, is You're wrong. Progressive lines where <laughs> I hate you. Where progressive no, you lines where no I don't. Um where you actually just sit in a chair and whether you do something or not, you will get elected to that next chair. Um, I think that's the stigma of the progressive line. And that's how um, it, it casts a negative light on things. But, you know, look at, look at traditional observance lodges. You know, some of them have progressive lines where, again, you have to be qualified to sit in that chair and sit in the chair above you. Um, some of those types of lodges have thrown out the idea of progressive lines and they pick the right person for the right job. Um, so, you know, there's many different ways to, to skin that bear and, um, yeah, you know, and in a lot of places you don't have a say in the matter, you know, you have to do what's always been done because we don't innovate in, in masonry. None whatsoever. No innovations except, um, brother Ian says that in Tennessee, uh, you get the past master title once you provide over, preside over six meetings. Ooh. That's nice. And so I'd, I'd be interested to know if there's like, if you must like have a minimum of six meetings a year and, and lodges that do that, uh, that kind of underpins right. that. Or if, or if you just have to, you know, get through half the year and then, then you're good. <laughs> yeah. Well, and remember a lot of places go dark in the summer too. So that cuts down to meetings yeah. and, uh, but, uh, brother Jose, who we know, um, he 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 uh, chimed in on your comment. He said, "In D.C., you get the past master degree before installation, uh, which I thought was based on the English practice." So, um, in Virginia, oh, here you have to different. Be- yeah, there's yeah. a difference between the past master degree and being a past master. Enlighten me, worshipful sir. Oh my goodness! So, in Virginia, you must have something called a virtual past master degree to degree yeah which is a degree is actually in the royal arch system and so if you're a royal arch mason you get the past master degree and you can have it without having been a past master um in virginia in order to be elected as a junior or senior warden you must have had the virtual past master degree Yep. And it's a chair degree. Um, you know, there's, uh, there's no secrets that you learn. Um, there is a, you know, and we can talk about this in a second. Um, there are other constitutions that actually do a, a chair degree after you've been elected master or after you've come out of the East where you actually do learn other things. Um, but I would say you've been through it. I've been through it. Um, the past master degree that you need to become a warden it's kind of a five-minute degree on how to be a master. Um, here's your gavel. Do your thing. That's pretty much it. Um, you, you sit in the chair. It's, it's an um, exhortation it. to yeah. It's an exhortation to exercise your authority as master. Like right. uh, you know, I think 
coming from a you know collegial organization and a fraternal organization there's there's you know a, a there's a a need to preserve peace and harmony but at the same time within the confines of an opened lodge meeting the master rules and governs and the master is law and so right. sometimes that's a bit of of a shock to some new guys who are coming in they get no absolutely and, and i think there's yeah as as much as i was making fun of it there there is you do learn you do learn things like there is a difference between being an autocrat and a tyrant right um yeah there is a difference um and you do learn how to be the autocrat for the evening um which is not is not tyrannical you know there are laws you need to follow and you need to know when you can do things and when you can and how you do things um so you do learn those kinds of things but um yeah autocracy is weird in your american brain right because we're so wedded to democratic systems and parliamentary systems that autocracy is like whoa um, and that's why we get a hat, and that's why we get a gavel, and that's why we're called worshipful, and you know all those things. Um, Your benevolent dictator. Yeah. Benevolent dictator. Oh, uh, yeah. brother TJ replied. It's six stated communications in Tennessee. Perfect. Boom. Two Love points it. to Tennessee, minus one point to Virginia. <laughs> this yes. isn't uh, this isn't Hogwarts, Joe. So no. oh, man, interesting. Sorry. Interesting question from our, our friend and brother, uh, Suncard. Um, how yes. much different is it being the master of a daylight lodge versus an evening lodge? I mean, I've so, sat in daylight lodges. Me too. And you have too, right? Yeah. I would, I would almost liken being master of a daylight lodge to like being master of a research lodge. There are many... You know, there are many daylight lodges in Virginia that don't meet as often. Um, yes, Joe is Slytherin. Go Ravenclaw. And, you know, typically, you know, they daylight lodges may not have as many events as as evening lodges. But what something is a daylight lodge, for, Jason? Huh? What's a daylight lodge? A, a daylight lodge is... A lodge that meets during the day. So I've what is been. It most I've been. Uh, retired people. Yes, that's right. Yes, for the most and, part. and so for the most part, I I will say that uh, back probably close to a decade ago, I did visit a daylight lodge for the first time. And there were a group of us at work who literally went on our lunch break and visited a daylight lodge right down the street. And it was pretty cool. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Awesome. So yeah. Daylight lodges. Um, I don't know if they confer degrees or not. I, <sighs> I will have to look into that. Uh, the one I've been to. Oh, sorry. You froze for a second. Uh, the one I've been to in Virginia, they, they confer degrees. They um, elect officers. It, it's, it's a regular blue lodge. Uh, the 95% of the people there were past masters, you know, um, who can yeah. meet in the daytime. Um, so, but they're, they're sitting in chairs and they do business just like any other blue lodge does. Um, so there's no difference that I've saw. 
but let's get back to uh so what's a past master um what's what's the point of a past master what does a past master do jason tell us what you do what do you do what do i do i can tell you what past masters do but i <laughs> so, want jason to talk first the past master hi athena um the past master is really there to be a guiding force and a source of support for the officers of the lodge um <clears throat> you know i i say that um you know because you know really they are they are essentially the lodge elders if you will and as a as a young master um it's important to have a group of individuals in the lodge who have been through the craziness before and have the ability to and, and the desire to mentor you through that and so uh it can it can be kind of lonely in the east and so the master needs to surround himself with a cadre of of just learned brethren who have been through it before and that's that's really where i see the past master role being there are a lot of past masters that become lodge instructors of work lodge education officers these are the the you know pseudo officer positions who are you know where where the incumbent is charged with helping nurture shape and grow the lodge and and you know increase the the masonic experience and better the masonic experience for the members of the lodge oftentimes the past masters sit on the sideline and they're like mm, i didn't do that i wouldn't do that that's not how say it was more. done in my say year more. say more well ultimately when you when you go from having complete authority as the benevolent dictator to being on the same level, even though masonry has a bunch of them, um, as everybody else outside of the master, ultimately at the end of the day, you can't help but look at the, the workings of the lodge through the lens of what you did, or in a lot of cases failed to do or didn't do. And so there's this, or, or what's always been done. Yes. Um, and <clears throat> there are many brethren who are passionate about Freemasonry, which is awesome. And there are also many brethren who are passionate about their Freemasonry, which, and don't leave time and space for others to experience Freemasonry a different way. And that's where it can become problematic yeah absolutely and i think that uh so like i said jason's talking to you from the experience of of being that wise counsel and being that person to <laughs> offer i've seen you do it once or twice okay i didn't say every day but you you do do it a little bit um and you know i can talk to you about my experience as a sitting master and reaching out to past masters talking to past masters asking for help and guidance from past masters and unfortunately uh what jason said is pretty accurate it you know your your group of past masters really spans the gamut you have those past masters that find it hard to distance themselves from that position of authority uh and they choose to 
tell you how they do things with the intention of you need to do those things that same way um, to the point where you have apathetic people who don't tell you anything and don't really care anymore and, you know, are just sitting there checking a box. Um, but you have a little bit of everything in between. I mean, I can tell you, I'm not going to give you names because this is going to stay on the internet forever. So um, I've, I've been lucky to have past masters that, you know, have given me guidance and have whispered wise counsel in my ear and told me, think, hey, maybe you should do something like this or maybe why haven't you thought about doing that? And it's been really useful and helpful advice. And then to, to Jason's point, you have those other past masters that cannot help, but while you're sitting in the East, stand up during Lodge and challenge your authority or question decisions or comment on every damn thing you've said and done, um, you know, and, and just make that meeting go on longer and longer and longer. Um, so, so you get both. Uh, you know, I'm blessed to know the ones that are helpful and are wise and are patient, um, you know, and... Uh, you know, I guess masonry as general is happy for the rest of them that, that pay their dues every year. And I'll leave it at that. Well, and so back back when I was master in 2017, um, I was very lucky at Acacia to have been surrounded by a really solid group of, of past masters who helped me really get through some very difficult situations in in the lodge and um you know up to and including you know having two past masters going back in the line um you know to to help fill it out and of course that i that was a year or two after um i ended up getting out of of the east but you know when you have a when you have a core group of past masters who care about the lodge enough to be there and be present and give that advice, but also be willing to let the new master try things out his way. Like that is a, a sweet spot that really provides a great, like fertile soil to to grow the Masonic experience in. And I, I was very lucky to have had a, a great cadre of past masters I could lean on um, back in 2017. Yeah, that's fantastic. And I think that, um, you know, I too, you know, again, not, not having uh, had my replacement installed yet, um, I, I've been blessed, um, you know, and Jason knows many of the past masters that, that I get to call brother that sit in my lodge with me. Um, but exactly to his point, they're all committed. They all care about the lodge and they care about you, uh, as well. Except right. Clancy. So team, uh, except well, Clancy is a uh, right worshipful Clancy. Uh, one of my favorite past masters. He's our district deputy this year. So very happy about and that. He's amazing. Um, and he is super awesome. Um, uh, including Clancy. Um, you know, there, there's been that group that, that I've known ever since I joined that lodge that have always been those people exactly to your point that you look up to and, and look for advice on. Um, but again, it, there's always the, you know, we, the picture, I keep looking at the picture, um, cause it's on YouTube, uh, about, um, why is the picture up there? Are we streaming? Yeah. It okay. should be. Um, yeah. Okay. Just checking. Oh, I did that. Anyway, sorry, sidetrack. Um, 
the picture we put squirrel. up for this week's episode is squirrel, uh, is a bunch of curmudgeon old people. Um, you know, they give you wag their finger and give you make faces at you and stuff. And unfortunately you do find those. Um, I think in every lodge you have at least one of those, um, that really get that stereotype going of the grumpy past master, you know, where, um, nothing you do makes them happy. Nothing the lodge does make them happy. Um, it's a different generation and you're not doing the things that they did during their generation. So you are just a eventual disappointment to them, um, across the board. So, um, yes, but <laughs> yeah, it is what it is. Yep. And, and honestly, like when you're turning over complete executive autocracy every year, there are going to be feathers that get ruffled. And I I very much don't understand how anything stays status quo from year to year to year. When you come in, you get like maybe 10 months to, to try to enact you know, organizational change. And, uh, you know, maybe... Maybe the the problem is it's so difficult to do that uh, you know there are there are brethren who say okay we'll just keep it even keeled. No, you know what? That's an excellent point, and I think I'm going to channel some some Ruark here um, when we talk about. I, I know you've seen it. Um, you know, I personally got to see it at least the last five or six years. Uh, lodge, uh, and even in my lodge in DC, they are really good about having long range vision casting or strategic planning, you know, where it's like, you got to have the right recipe for that, right? You got to have brothers that are all in line together that all kind of want to move in one direction, um, which you probably don't find in every lodge, you know, and you've traveled to a bunch of lodges. So have I, it's a mix, right? Sometimes you get lodges where the officers are very different from one another. Right. And you really get that large sweeping change year over year. And it's got to be exhausting, right? To pivot so quickly in one direction from year to year. But then um, there are some lodges that do a good bit of, of strategic planning where it's like, hey, we have a mission and a vision. We have a, you know, a three-year plan. We have a five-year plan. These are the things that we want to do. And everybody does it together. That's a rarity, you know, but, but uh, you know, it, it can be done. And, you know, as as we start to I'm not going to say decline as we start to shrink our membership and start to get more compact in, in how we do masonry. I think it's a good time to do it, right? You've got more and more people that you want to gravitate towards as opposed to lodges of five or 600 people where you don't even know half of their names. Um, so these are people that you can put these short-term and long-term plans in place with and, and make some long-term effective change. And I know I'm sounding really Ted talky, but strategic planning is a good thing it's not a bad thing it is yeah and it's it's a way to get buy-in across the officers i think uh one place where acacia was was getting really great at strategic planning was in the budget and the building you know we have an old building we have a building that is in massive need of repair and upgrades. And so one of the things that I saw that I was very grateful for was from year to year, we would sit down, go through the budget and try to forecast out like the fundraising we needed to do uh, in order to be able to keep up with the cost of repairs and the repairs that needed to be done in the building. Um, 
you know, <clears throat> Sunkard uh, asked uh, what my goal was in in my year, and did I meet it? Um, I will just talk a little bit about it because I think there are some things that um, that are relevant to the role of of the past master, and it's it's part and parcel to what we're talking about here with with change and and you know strategic planning. My goal very much during my year was to implement sustainable change because you can go in there like a tornado and just go crazy and uproot everything. And then if you don't have the buy-in of your officer line and, and probably your past masters, um, it, you know, but once you become a past master and the next guy comes in, all of that can just revert very easily. And so I wanted to add more education to the lodge. I wanted to strengthen our relationship with our Prince Hall counterparts. Um, and there were there were a couple other little things here and there, but it was I was mostly focused on education and strengthening our our camaraderie with Prince Hall. Uh, and I would say on the education piece, I I was successful simply because um, if nothing else, one of our past masters who was um, who signed my petition, Brother David Hill, we had him on uh, way back early on in the Freemasonry in Australia episode. Uh, he ended up uh, stepping in as lodge education officer. And so my, my way to really, you know, shove education down everybody's throats was, okay, during dinner, we're doing a big education program, but during the meeting, we're doing a little itty bitty one. And so none of the past masters can complain. They, they still did. Um, about a 90 second to three and a half minute little spotlight on Masonic education. And that has continued through uh, through to this day. And that's something that I'm really proud of because I, I do think that, you know, every Masonic communication should have something that you walk away with. And it mm -hmm. doesn't have to be a 90-minute presentation. But it's got to be something. Because otherwise, what are we doing here? I don't know. I'm just, I just show up. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> let's see. Oh, brother Ian again. Uh, I actually was going to touch on this, but he did. And I think it's probably a good time for it. Past Masters Night. Yes. Past Masters Night. I love Past Masters Night. Um, let me talk about it for, as a worshipful master. Because <laughs> you don't have and to do anything for it. That's right. So, yeah, we had Past Masters Night last year, and I, uh, I plan on doing it again this year. Um, and some places do it differently. Some places will take a Past Master, and he will preside um as master for for that evening we did it a little bit differently where we put past masters in every single chair and all the officers got a night off and we got to sit on the sidelines and um yeah we had a past masters night and every single chair had a past master in it and uh it was fun it was fun watching brothers who had not sat in an officer's chair for 20 years uh remember their stuff and remember it quickly uh, but yeah it was a really fun night and uh, i definitely plan on doing it again so that's my view on the past masters night 
And uh, Brother Jose says that, you know, during dinner at, at your lodge, Manasseh, you could even do a short piece on the proper way to blanch a green bean. Yeah, I'm trying to find out how to boot him from the chat. Uh, stand by, please. No, no, no. We like Jose. I like you, Jose. <laughs> um, past Masters yeah, Night. No. So have you presided at a Past Masters Night? I have not. Um, and this gets back to, you know, what what I put in the chat. Um, I haven't, I've, I've kind of stepped away from my mother lodge and, and haven't been attending that regularly. Um, I am substitute Tyler at Joe's lodge. And so I am, uh, helping out quite a bit at, at Manassa at the moment. He's a great Tyler. Great. Great. Tyler. Joe prefers me outside the door. Because then we don't have that talking over each other thing that we have on the Masonic Roundtable every Thursday night at nine thirty Eastern. Just gavel yeah. me down, like I can't. I don't. They're all at lodge. I don't have any gavels here. No, no. I meant in lodge. Oh, at lodge. I'll bring one here yeah. to the show. We can do it like that. Okay. Uh, <laughs> you have no power here. The <laughs> so, past masters night. I have. I have never presided. Um, I believe I went in as junior warden, uh, the one past master night, uh, in 2018. Uh, but have not, have not presided. Uh, we usually get some of our more seasoned past masters, uh, brother Brant. We like to get him to, to preside and, uh, shake off the old cop. He's no fun. He knows all his ritual. He's no fun. You got to get one that hasn't done ritual in like 30 years. That's true. That's fun. Yeah. <laughs> so ultimately, yeah, your your past master is an advisor, right? Um, someone who has been through the storm, come out on the other side, and hopefully, it, you know, has not been jaded to the point where <laughs> they're they're set in their way and unwilling to provide counsel and. Yeah, well, I think that's or, a street that goes both ways. Go ahead, Joe. No, I was going to say you. I, I, what I thought you were going to say was got jaded and you know suffered from Masonic burnout, which we've talked about too. You know, and their year was so so busy and so jam packed and so stressful that you know they they go from taking a little bit of a break to you know just saying screw it all. Um, you know, and you don't see them in lodge for a couple of years. So um, I think that has to do with lodges that have really healthy officer lines that are again moving towards a vision um because there's you know i i you know i look at myself and you know me i'm a i'm loud and i'm no. boisterous yeah and i have an opinion um but at least i think and if anybody wants to chime in and disagree please do so um you know, I think we, I, and we do things moving towards a common vision. You know, I just don't change the color of the walls just cause I feel like it. Cause I'm the autocrat. So, um, but you know, many lodges where you, your officers are not moving towards a single vision, you know, you can have a master that tries really hard for a year, um, gets burnout and he's gone, you know, and you don't see him again for a long time. Um, so, you know, that happens and it happens a lot. You know, there's there's one particular initiative that I tried to sponsor when I was master, and um, it just didn't go through. Um, 
So my my lovely and amazing spouse is a graphic designer uh, who focuses on branding, and she's brilliant and amazing. Oh my goodness. Um, and so I wanted to rebrand our Lodge's logo because our Lodge's logo was a like 20 year old stock pixelated graphic, and it was horrifically bad. And so <laughs> I had my my lovely spouse um, create a new branded logo that was modern and sleek, and I thought amazing. But I also had her re-sketch the old logo and recreate it in an expandable like vector format. So it got rid of all of the, the quality issues. And I took the mm. new logo to the past masters and the officers and I said, hey, what do you think? I really like this, but, but what do you think? And I would say not to my surprise, but... Um, <clears throat> to my chagrin, they they all came back and said, "No, we we really prefer the the old logo." And so I didn't push it because there's no point in throwing up a new logo on the lodge for a year and then just reverting back to the old pixelated one. And so what I said was, "Okay, okay, here's one that looks a lot like the the old one, but it doesn't have any of the quality issues that the old one had. So we're going to use that instead." And everybody was like, "Fine." Change is good. Change is good. The logo was awesome. Wow. Like the one I wanted to put up. It was amazing. Well, be Worshipful Master again, and then you can put up all the logos you want. Boom. That's true. But sustainable change, right? Mm. Do it for two years. <laughs> I'd like to stay married. On that note. <laughs> On that note. On that note, um, go ahead and I think start wrapping it up here. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, you got a question or you just want me to wing it? I've got a final question. Yeah. So, Joe, your final question is what is the most important thing that a past master should do? Ooh. Okay. Have an answer. One most important thing. So the one most important thing that I think a past master should do, and I'm speaking from the experience of knowing past masters and knowing what I long for most out of them, not being one myself, is be honest with your counsel that you're giving to the master. Um, don't blow smoke up his rear. Um, don't sugarcoat things. Um, if you have someone sitting in the chair and they're coming to you for help, they're coming to you for counsel and they're coming to you for assistance, be honest and be fair with them. Um, remember that you were once there sitting in the chair and you know getting 10 million things shoved in your direction at one time. You know, if you're busy and healthy in an active lodge, um, don't just tell them what they want to hear um, because you're doing it to their detriment. You're doing it to your detriment um, and you're not giving them the answers that they're looking for. Um, and again, a master or another officer comes to you 
for counsel, give him that counsel, whether he wants to hear it or not. Um, I, I think some of the best conversations that I have had with past masters are the open and the honest ones, not the the attaboys and the, that's a great idea, you know, and then bad mouth you 10 minutes later. Um, the open, honest conversation and just be fair with them and be honest with them. And I think you'll help them become a more successful master and you'll be a more sought after and respected past master. And that's all I got. Peace. Awesome. Thanks, Joe. So my my answer to that question is something admittedly that I I haven't followed. I think the most important thing that you can do as a past master is be present and available. Because you know, as as someone who has been through the gauntlet and the fire, like you are in a unique position to mentor that new leader and shepherd that new leader and provide and whisper good counsel to that new leader. And um, that can be channeled into an, an amazing force for good. You know, it, there's something to be said about the new leader being receptive to that. But regardless, you should still be present and be willing to to offer that that wise counsel, to especially to, to those who, who ask. So, uh, <clears throat> you know, that's that's the show for tonight. Uh, great conversation. Uh, thanks so much, everybody, for watching. And please, 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 keep searching for more light. Good keep searching for more light. Wow.